You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Each Christmas, millions of children around the world eagerly await the arrival of Santa Claus, the jolly old man in a bright red suit who carries a sack full of presents for all the good boys and girls. However, the iconic representation of Santa Claus is a relatively modern invention that largely originated with the well-known poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, more commonly known as Twas the Night Before Christmas, written in 1823, as well as a famous illustration by cartoonist Thomas Nast inspired by that poem from 1863. But the story of Santa Claus is far from the only Christmas legend told around the world to this day. In fact, there are countless folktales about Christmas that star other figures entirely, particularly in Europe. And many of them have origins that predate not only Santa Claus, but the spread of Christianity itself. In fact, many of these tales were born of pagan customs that were later adapted to fall in line with Christian values. The ancient roots of these tales still show, however, and they're often far more sinister and terrifying than any modern Christmas story would dare be. Take the infamous legend of Krampus, for example, said to be a sort of anti-clause. He's a ghoulish, goat-hooved devil with a snake-like tongue who roams through the Tyrolean mountains in the Alps along with his perchton, an army of nasty, foul-tempered elves who delight in punishing children. On December 5th, Krampusnacht, he visits the homes of naughty children, miscreants, and drunks to quite literally whip them into shape as punishment for their misdeeds. But while the story of Krampus has become fairly well known in recent years, it's not the only such tale from the dark side of Christmas lore. There's also the story of Hans Trapp, the evil Christmas scarecrow said to terrorize parts of France. According to legend, Hans Trapp was once a man who achieved great wealth and power through a Faustian bargain leading him to be excommunicated by the Pope and forced to live in the Bavarian mountains. Here, his evil desires festered and eventually he developed a longing for human flesh. Disguising himself as a scarecrow, he would wait for children to pass, then grab them, carry them away to his mountain home and eat them. Then there's the story of the Yule Cat, the Icelandic monster who devours naughty children on Christmas night. Even more terrifying is the Yule Cat's master, Grilla a witch and her 13 child-eating sons known as Yule Lads. Today, these stories are still told and celebrated in the regions where they originated, even if they've been all but overshadowed across the rest of the world by the cheerful, familiar tale of jolly old Saint Nick. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All This Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All That's Interesting staff writer Austin Harvey. And I'm All That's Interesting staff writer Kalina Fraga. And today we are exploring some terrifying Christmas legends from around the world. Hmm. Terrifying. It's not usually a word you associate with Christmas. Correct. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the fun thing about a lot of European folk Christmas traditions is they are all horribly dark. Mm, love it. I know we've we've done an episode on you did an episode on Krampus, Krampus. before. Yes, I did. So they actually I missed it because it was on a Tuesday night. They had a Krampus night here in Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Like last week. I, I wish I'd known about it. I totally would have gone. But it looked very much like what they do in Austria. Like people dressed up as Krampus and this Christmas market. It looked really fun. Ooh, that does sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'm kind of bummed I didn't get to go. Uh, but um, Well, next year. But yeah. Um, I mean, just to uh, kind of hit the ground running here. Obviously, a lot of these traditions, they have been sort of co-opted into being Christmas traditions were originally very much like Krampus pagan, mm. which kind of goes to explain some of why they are the way they are. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And obviously, like when we talk about paganism, that's not speaking to one religion. That's speaking to like pretty much everything pre-Christian. I just wanted to draw that distinction because I feel like a lot of people don't realize that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, our first story is very much a pagan tradition. This is the story of Frau Perchta. Mm -hmm. Frau Perchta began as a pagan goddess and was said to creep through the snow-covered forest of Austria and Germany during the 12 days of Christmas. Obviously, at the time, it was not called the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just 12 days. It was just 12 days at the end of winter. Typically, like... The darkest part of winter, I think, the winter solstice is around that same time. A lot of these kind of fit into that category of like, it's the darkest part of winter, and that's when the spirits come out at the end of the world. Um, in the in Greece, I didn't put this story in here, but in Greece, there were these goblins that were supposedly said to cut down the world tree, working all year to cut it hmm. down. And then when the veil between worlds lifted on the 12 darkest days of the year in the winter... They would roam the earth and cause mischief. And in that time, the world tree would heal itself so that they had to restart at the beginning oh, of the next interesting. year. interesting. I didn't know that they had a world tree in Greek. Is that what you said? Greek? I didn't know so that I know either. like in the Nordic yeah. mythology, there's a world tree or some sort of tree. Yeah. Yggdrasil, yeah. Yes. Which Yggdrasil is more like, I believe, and I might be wrong here. They call it the world tree, but it's more like the universe right. tree. Right. Like, it's all of the different realms of the gods and mortal men are on Yggdrasil. Yeah. Yeah. We have a post but, on Yggdrasil. Yeah. Norse mythology is very interesting. Neil Gaiman's book on it is very good. Hmm. But yeah, the Greeks have these goblins. I, yeah, apparently there is a world tree. People will still hang things up in Greece to repel the goblins around Christmas. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. It's still a very popular, probably not as like fearful but just like a tradition that people still do, like in the same way that we put up a Christmas tree, they hang like a boar's head from by their door or something like a that. A boar's head? <laughs> it's something weird. It's like some kind of animal part that like the goblins supposedly don't like. Wow, it seems like a hard thing to uh, get. Yeah, it might just be like sausage or something. Mm, but yeah, um, but yeah, Frau Perch does in that same kind of vein. She was said to wander the world uh, during the 12 days of Christmas, the darkest part of the year. She was a malevolent spirit with basically one goal, which was to make sure that locals are upholding their local customs. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she's evil, but kind of like law abiding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then she would kill those who, oh. who did not uphold the law or the local customs. So sort of a, a lawful evil if we're looking at like the D&D mm. <laughs> spectrum of alignment. <laughs> Yeah, um, she would travel village to village, and if like people weren't upholding their customs, she would punish them. If they were, she basically just moved on. Hmm. But the method in which she killed people was pretty brutal. <laughs> she would enter their homes, 
rip open their stomachs oh. and then disembowel them. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's quite a way to uh, go. When you look up imagery of her, it's just like an angry old witch with a knife in her hand. That's pretty scary. Yeah, it's, that's the imagery of it. Wow. <laughs> and then again, it starts to get a little more evil sounding when you break down why she would kill people. Crimes deemed worthy of punishing included weaving on a day deemed sacred. So like a Sunday, let's say hmm. if you were weaving on a Sunday or feasting with too little enthusiasm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so it's a little petty. Yeah. It just means you got to feast with lots of enthusiasm during the year. Yeah. Be very enthusiastic about your feasting. Don't work on days you're not supposed to work. Yeah. Don't weave. Yeah. yeah. She was a, a communist. she's not a capitalist she doesn't she's anti-hustle culture and i honestly i respect it pro food too we love yeah pro food i i think we have a lot in common perched on i i have also disemboweled people wow you're also an old witch with a knife i'm also an old witch with a knife viewers may or may not know (laughs) (laughs) um there's another story about her she allegedly not allegedly it's the folktale in the story <laughs> she uh-huh. cursed a young farmhand who had spied on her and rendering him blind uh, for the rest of his life well, he deserved it there's another story that says she attended a wedding that she hadn't been invited to and then cursed everybody there to live the rest of their lives as wolves hmm, they deserved it less than the farmhand it seems yeah. how dare you not invite this evil christmas witch to your wedding yeah right what an oversight <laughs> <laughs> she's like what i'm fun at parties <laughs> I like that. She's petty. I'm into it. She's a very, yeah, Frau Petty, more like. Frau Petty, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a stretch, but I stand by it. Uh-huh. But today she is still uh, celebrated, commemorated in local Austrian and German towns through this thing called the Perchtenlauf, which is a large mask procession in which people dress up as Perchent, which are followers of Perchta. Uh, it's a very loud like parade festival with a lot of music and merriment and fireworks. And the goal of the festival is to ward off evil winter spirits. Hmm. That's interesting. It's like warding off evil spirits in her honor. Like dressing up as evil spirits. Yeah. Yeah. That's the perched in Lauf then is the same as like, sounds like the Krampus Lauf. So they have this It's very similar to Krampus Knock. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I, do they ever interact? I think and, a lot of the time at like Krampus Knocked, people will dress up as the perch as well. They kind of. Oh, you know what? I think Krampus is technically a perch. He might be a perched in. Yeah, perched in. In some legends, I think yes. he is. Okay. Because that, that word sounds really familiar. Yeah. And I think that's why. Yeah, it's definitely in the podcast you did, then. if not the <laughs> post on the website, the word perched in is used. Huh. It's funny, like we do these things and I's like, then it leaves my brain or it like kind of like stays yeah. a little bit, but. Yeah. Yeah, I retain trace bits of information. Right. I can I can tell people that I'm out with a semi-true interesting fact mm. all the time. <laughs> someone someone <laughs> commented on one of our posts last night and I, I read the comment and they were they said that we got something wrong, but I was like, I don't remember writing this. And I did, but I have no memory of it at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> probably. <sighs> probably not. Moving on to what might be my favorite story Mm. of the bunch here. This is the story of Hans Trapp, the Christmas Scarecrow. Oh. 
Is he also German? He is not. He's French. I, the name Hans Trapp sounds very German. It does. But he is maybe or maybe he or the character was or the uh, character who was based on. Um, but the story is told uh, in the regions of Alsace and Lorraine oh, in France. Because those that was like German territory and French territory, mm. German territory, and French territory. So, so yeah, it makes sense. there's a little bit of overlap. Yeah. But the legend goes that in the 1400s, a wealthy and powerful man named Hans Trapp lived in France. And he regarded power more than anything else to the point where he was willing to trade his soul to the devil in order to obtain it. Uh, always a bad move. Always a bad move. Eventually, rumors of Trapp's Faustian bargain spread all across the land and reached the Pope. Oh, The Pope then called Hans Trapp in, had him uh, sit down before a council, and had him excommunicated. And also banned from Alsace. Oh. He's no longer allowed to live there and all of his possessions. At first, it's like, oh, he's just excommunicated? That's not that bad. Right. It's like, you, oh, you just can't go to church? <laughs> I don't think he was going anyway. It seems like, I mean, I know the devil, like, infamously tricks people into accepting bargains like this. But it seems like the devil didn't really hold up his end of it. If he's like, here's power. And then he's like, bye. Yeah, well, he had a fairly large estate mm. and just a lot of money and stuff. And I think a lot of local influence as well. And people wondered, who is this guy? How did he get all his money and land and power? I see, I see, I see. And this is why. because he traded his soul, yes. Hmm. So eventually he's excommunicated, also forced to leave his home and all of his belongings behind. And eventually found himself uh, living in the Bavarian mountains of Germany. And... <laughs> Isolation was not good for this guy. <laughs> uh-huh. Rather than reflecting on where he went wrong in life, uh, he leaned really heavily into the evil and eventually decided that he wanted to try and eat human flesh. Ah, uh, boy. A twist. <laughs> so, really diving far into the evil end of the spectrum here. To lure or to capture his victims, he decided that he would craft a disguise out of straw and dress himself like a scarecrow and wait by the roadside. Wow. Which, I don't know if that would be my first go-to. For, for I mean, him. you know, if you're still and you're a scarecrow, then no one's going to be yeah. scared because they're not crows, they're people, so they're just going to walk That's, past you and, right. you know. just it, Scarecrows are generally in the middle of fields where people aren't walking right by them. But it did, the story does say he waited by the roadside. I guess it was... Maybe more common back then to just have scarecrows everywhere. Well, maybe someone would be like, what's a scarecrow doing there? And they would like walk over and then he could That's a fair pounce. point. Curiosity kills the kid. Yes. But yeah, according to legend, anybody who walked by, he looked just like an ordinary scarecrow. And then one day a young boy walked a little too close and Hans Trapp grabbed him, stabbed him in the stomach with a sharpened stick and dragged the boy's lifeless body back to his mountain lair. Wow. Where he cut it into small pieces and roasted them over a fire. And then right before he could take a bite of the dead boy, a bolt of lightning struck him huh. and he died. Oh, uh, and they, they say it was an act of God that came in at the last minute. And it's like, Oh my gosh, probably could have intervened a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah. God was like, <laughs> save the kid. Napping, and he's like, Oh no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what I miss. Oh God. Oh me. Oh me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the one thing I can do is stop him from eating human flesh, so I shall do that. Yeah, it's like, it's like let's see how far he goes with this. Wow. Oh, he's going all the way. Oh, no. This story takes all sorts of twists and turns. It's a wild story. It's a wild story. Uh, and then, yeah, the ending bit of it, the, the tradition aspect of it is that his spirit is said to live on 
and terrorize bad children at night mm. in his scarecrow costume. Oh. So he's now like permanently an evil Christmas scarecrow. So he doesn't really have anything to do with Christmas in this story. No, there uh, is a little bit more to the legend where now he is said to visit naughty children, but there's this other spirit that kind of accompanies him to stop him called like the Christ Kindle. Oh, yeah. The Christkind? The Christkind, yeah. yeah. Um, their their stories are very intertwined now where the Christkind shows up to stop Hans Trapp. And there's actually a really great photo, or not a photo, a uh, illustration. Hmm. It shows the Christkindle and Hans Trapp entering this home through the window. Uh, and he's kind of creepy looking. I'm going to send you the image on Slack now. But there's a, a family of frightened children oh. huddling on the left-hand side. The Christ Kindle in all their glory right there. And then Hans Trapp sneaking in behind oh, wow. with a bundle of sticks that he's going to hit the children with. And the two children in the middle of the frame don't seem very frightened. I guess they were the good kids. Oh, I see. They have nothing to be scared <laughs> I of. I think they were the good children. <laughs> yeah. And all the, one, all the other ones are bad. I like how many of these legends have to do like the weapon of choice is like a bundle of sticks that they use to hit people. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Yeah. I don't think I'm. Yeah. There's an, uh, another French one. French. Christmas stories are messed up. This one's Parafutar. Oh, this is yeah. not on the list. But Father Whipper uh -huh. famously goes around with St. Nicholas and just whips bad children with a bundle of sticks. That's right. Krampus also. I believe Krampus also does. They, they're, that's yeah. what I mean. They all have these bundles of sticks. I guess that's what you did back then. I mean, it's better than stabbing children to death. Like, it's a less scary right. story. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, it's a punishment, mm -hmm. but not like an uh, irrecoverable one. Right. But uh, there is maybe potentially some truth to this story, albeit uh, like heavily obscured mm -hmm. by the folklore. But there was a man named Hans von Trotha who lived from 1450 to 1503, and he had two castles in uh, Palatine. Von Trotha then became embroiled in a local or in an argument with a local abbot. And <laughs> everyone's so petty in these stories. <laughs> he had an argument with this local abbot and in response constructed a dam that cut off the water supply to the nearby town of Weissenberg. Oh. Where this like order of monks lived that he was mad at. Oh, uh oh. They ultimately told him like, I think the Pope stepped in still and was like, you can't do that. You have to destroy the dam. Mm -hmm. And in a very, very, very petty move, he said, okay, and destroyed the entire dam at once so that it then flooded the town. Oh, boy. Petty and possibly murderous then. Yes. Uh, and once again, he was excommunicated from the church and stripped of all of his things. But because he had two castles, um, <laughs> he went on to just be fine. He just moved back into French court and lived a very good lifestyle. Wow. No, nothing changed. Still was wealthy. Once yeah. you got money, you're fine. No matter yeah. what. So. Wow. Humanity has come a long oh, way. Oh, boy. Huh. I mean, this guy, um, Von Trotha, Troth, yeah, he, mm. he kind of deserved excommunication more than the Trap Von's guy. Trap. I want to say Von yeah. Trap, which I know is not his name, but. No, Von's <laughs> Von Trap, yeah. He's not a singing, uh, part of a singing family. Huh. Yeah. No, they didn't really change much of his name either. They were just like, yeah. No, I like that one. That It just, it does, um, there's just all sorts of things happen in that story. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This one comes to us from Iceland. Hmm. This is the story of Grilla and the Yule Cat. Oh, I like a cat story. You won't like this oh, one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot, like... I know I said uh, France has some pretty gnarly hor- Christmas horror stories. Iceland, I think, takes the cake for it. Oh. The first story here, uh, or the first part of this story, deals with the Christmas witch, Grilla, who's said to live in the far north. She's described differently depending on the story. Sometimes she's a giant troll or an ogre or a giantess. Sometimes she's just a witch. Hmm. She's pretty much always just pure evil. Legend says she whispers. Well, uh, legend says she listens to the whispers of children on the wind throughout the year, collecting information on which of them have misbehaved. Mm. And then when winter comes, she sets out to find the naughty children. Grilla is said to have an insatiable appetite, kidnaps the bad children, carries them back to her home in a sack, then dumps them into a large pot, boils them into a stew, and then she feasts on that stew throughout the year. It's enough, apparently. To hold her over <laughs> until the next winter. Wow. And for somebody with an insatiable appetite, that's got to be a lot of children. Yeah. Grilla's not alone. She has one, 13 children. She has 13 children? She has 13 children known as the Yule Lads. Oh, though that's they're, so cute. They're not, yeah, they're not as scary and they've actually kind of like co-opted in modern day to be a lot more fun and whimsical. Hmm. Almost like Keebler Elf style yeah the yule lads yeah it's not a very scary name it's not she does have a pet the yule cat also known as yalakaturin in the icelandic and that is a crazy spelling (laughs) yeah but the yule cat is said to stand taller than the trees and prowls about iceland on christmas night in search of bad children to devour but unlike grilla who listens to the children on the wind or santa who is just omniscient uh the yule cat is not So it has a test to determine which children Mm. are bad. Children who received clothing for Christmas were considered good and they were safe because it was Icelandic tradition to give children new clothing if they completed all of their chores before Christmas. (laughs) Children who had not completed their chores did not receive clothing and they were considered bad or disobedient and were then eaten by the Yule Wow, so you're the parent. You have to be like... This my child. Better make sure <laughs> you're getting your kids some socks for Christmas. Even if they don't complete their chores, though, like I mean, then don't, and then I guess the chores are never getting done because you don't have a kid to do them anymore. Yeah. Eaten by a cat. Wow. Yeah. Yule cat. So yeah, it, I like that. It sounds fun and cute, but it is uh, not. I thought something was going to happen to the cat. I thought Mm-mm. some sort of horrible. I don't know. No, the cat's fine. That's good. I like that her cat. I mean, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I, I, it's because the, the witch herself sounds like she's like a normal size, but her children and her cat are all giant. Uh, she's sometimes described as a giant. Oh, okay. But she's also a witch. A giant witch. A witch giant. A giant witch. Yeah. Sometimes an ogre, sometimes a troll, really any. Um, if you Google Grilla the Christmas witch, you'll see all of these different versions. There's like one of her that's kind of like got this like droopy witchy face but she's really big this one looks like a classic giant and then there's this really really messed up picture that kind of just looks like a nun eating a baby oh (laughs) 
which I will send over to you. Yeah, I <laughs> so want to see, see. Oh, oh, that is messed up. Like just holding the child by one ankle and picking its flesh off Jeez, of its abdomen. And, and the background there is its mother opening the door. Mm-hmm. Yikes. That is yeah. a... Yeah, it's pretty gruesome. Pretty gruesome. But then there's other ones that are just like these like goofy cartoonish witches, like uh, someone out of a Hercules or like a classic Disney movie, which are significantly less terrifying. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's like a witch, witch, witch. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. And pretty much any result for the Yule Lads is just very goofy. Uh, the Yule Lads seems like, I don't know, like some sort of Christmas band or chorus or It's kind of what they look group. like. They look like a, yeah, huh. they do. They look like a 13 man acapella group. They all kind of like have white beards and pointy green hats. I like it. Yeah. They're very fun. The Yule Lads. Where are the Yule Lads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess, you know. Just because they had a bad mom doesn't mean they're all bad. They all did their chores, I bet. I bet. Do you think their chores involve cooking the stew? Maybe like gathering firewood for the fire mm. for the stew. Not the children. Yeah. Not gathering no, the children. That's, her, her that's mom's all mom. Yeah. That's all mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Iceland's pretty brutal, which I guess makes sense because of where it is in the world. It'd be very dark in the wintertime, so you'd want children to stay home and be good. And behave, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing with like all of these places that are all very mountainous, woodsy, very cold and snowy in the winter, very dark in the wintertime. I guess that goes for a lot of the world, but, you know, very isolated wilderness at the time. Moving on, this one, uh, fans of The Office might be familiar with this. You, uh, you might be familiar with this. Yes. Dwight Schrute famously dressed up in an episode of The Office as the Bell Schnickel. Yes. We have a post on this, too, which I think I either wrote or edited. Bell Schnickel is um, kind of like a cross between St. Nick and Krampus. The first part of the name, Bells, means fur. Nickel refers to St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. So he's, <laughs> he's kind of just... Uh, like a naughty Santa. Yeah. <laughs> he covers his face with coal and wears animal furs featuring large deer horns on his hood. Hmm. He visits children in late December to ask them if they've been good or bad, but he already knows. There's a couple indicators of when the bell stickle is around. He travels alone, but <laughs> he carries a switch with him <laughs> because of course he does. And the the sign that he's near is you hear him tapping on the walls of your home nice uh or on the windows with his switch is that just to cause fear or is he like i, I think it's just like a, hey i'm here i'm coming uh-huh mm. it might be a it might be a fear tactic um but the second sign is uh much more obvious and also much more terrifying because he literally just burst through the front door <laughs> so <laughs> so if you hear the switch against the window fortify your front door duck for cover <laughs> yeah. wow he then uh, rewards good children in their homes by giving them treats, and any of the bad children he naturally hits with his switch. Naturally. Even though he's kind of like a cross between St. Nick and Krampus, he isn't a replacement for them. So he typically visits before Christmas and is almost like a preliminary warning for bad children. Hmm. So he hits them with the switch, and then it's basically an indicator like, you've been bad. Santa and Krampus are <laughs> Be better. Before they get here. Oh, well, that's kind of that's nice of him. So they've got some time to rectify their behavior right. at the very end. Yeah. 
under the wire. Yeah. So if you're getting if you're getting hit by Bell Snickles switch, you better shape up <laughs> because Krampus is gonna kill you. Uh, well, that Bell Snickles doing like a public service. Yeah, yeah. He's just so he's just so weird about it. That's really funny that Dwight was Bell Snickle. I don't remember that episode. Yeah, it, I don't either, but it's like if you just Google the word Bell Snickle, the picture of Dwight dressed as him comes up. Right. I remember that. It's very fitting for the character. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. And our final strange Christmas legend. Uh, this one comes from South Wales. It is the Mary Lloyd, mm. the gray mare. Oh, and this one's weird because it visually is objectively the most terrifying, but the actual story and the like tradition surrounding it is the most lighthearted. Hmm. Okay. Mary Lloyd, according to old folk tales, was a creature with basically just like a, a skeletal horse face and glowing red eyes. And then just kind of like a long white cloak behind it. And it said that the spirit enjoys clever rhymes and that during the winter celebrations, it would go door to door and invite revelers to outwit it in a contest. And this was like a, a rhyme contest, basically like an old time rap battle mm -hmm. that it would have with people. <laughs> I like that. Cool. It's kind of amazing. If the person, if the homeowner won, the Mary Lloyd would reward them with a feast of food and drink. But if they lose and the Mary Lloyd wins, they would be required to invite the Mary Lloyd into their home and supply it with food and drink instead. Mm. That's really all there is to it. It's not... No switches, no knives. No switches, no murder, no knives. It's just like, you get food or you give it food. Huh. The custom was first recorded in 1800 and then dropped off for a bit in the 20th century. Hmm. And there's like a little bit of debate about what the name's origin is. One folklorist named C. Pete believed the term Mary Lloyd meant Holy Mary, referring to the mother of Jesus. And another folklorist, E.C. Cott, suggested the name could mean just Gray Mare. Hmm. And then, yeah, other folklorists have said maybe it was a pre-Christian tradition dating back to pagan stuff. But they've actually really not found any evidence to support that suggestion. That's so interesting. It's more of a recent thing then, it seems. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's only about 200 and. 20 years old. Wow. And people still celebrate it. Kind of had like a resurgence after it dropped off for a bit. But now it's like every year people will go around in Wales with like a horse skeleton head on a pole mm. and they'll go around and they'll sing songs and they'll do the same thing. They'll go to people's homes and do the rhyme battle and like have a big feast. And it's kind of a fun little almost like a weird take on Christmas caroling. Yeah. I wonder what the rhymes like if they have to have like a theme or if you're kind of you show up and you're like, hi, I'm here and I, I'm here with Mary. How do you say it? Lloyd. Yeah. Um, and they're like, yeah, Mary and then Lloyd. they find a rhyme with Lloyd. I'm overjoyed. Well, uh, here's um, five poems to appease the infamous Welsh Christmas horse skeleton from the website Literary Hub. <laughs> All right. Donald Hall's name of horses is a great rhyme to use, apparently. For 150 years in the pasture of dead horses, roots of pine trees pushed through the pale curves of your ribs. Yellow blossoms flourished above you in autumn and in winter. Frost heaved your bones in the ground. Old toilers, soil makers. Huh. Didn't really rhyme. So I think it I think it really is just a poetry contest. I like that. That's cool. In Mary Lloyd's heyday, the verses traded between was sailors and the households they visited were rhyming insults delivered in Welsh. Uh, one common opening went... 
I'm not going to try and do the Welsh. <laughs> I will read the English translation because I do a terrible okay. Welsh accent. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, well, here we come, innocent friends, to ask leave, to ask leave, to ask leave, to sing. And that's kind of the, like, introductory verse. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, Mary Lloyd's probably the least scary one. But still, like, the image of this, like, skeleton horse yeah, knocking carrying around door. a yeah, Skeletal it'd be very horse. scary to see, and then you open it, and it just starts like rapping at you. Yeah, but you'd be prepared. You'd be like ready for it. <laughs> Spent all year, you're like, I'm gonna get them this year. Boy, I'm trying to think of any other Christmas traditions that I know of. I can only think of like New Year's ones, like in like in France and New Orleans too. I guess they have like the king's cake where you have the little charm mm-hmm. in the in the cake. Well, funnily enough, we have a post on this going up tomorrow today on what. On weird Christmas traditions. Oh, hey. Did you write it? I did. It was nice. one of the ones that I pitched this year. It comes out on the 20th. So in a ah, couple of days. That makes sense. Actually yeah. comes out the same day as this podcast. So. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Made it easy for you. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening to this live, by the time you're done with the podcast, that yeah. post will be up. And yes. then you can read all about how weird eggnog is. And then we can talk about some weird Christmas traditions as a little bonus at the end. <laughs> yeah. My family always has Kringle, which I think is like a Scandinavian thing. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, it's really good. I didn't know Kringle was a thing. There's a lot of Scandinavians where my family's from in the Pacific Northwest. And they, they sell there's like huge stacks of Kringle for sale at the grocery store right now. Huh. Yeah. Like, is that where the term like Chris Kringle comes from? I don't know if they're related. It's a good question. Interesting. Yes. Oh, uh, in Japan, they eat KFC on Christmas. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because no one really celebrates Christmas there. Um, let's see. Yeah, just I'll just rattle off a couple weird Christmas traditions from around the world as like a teaser. Yeah. Um, Cagatillo in uh, Catalonia. It's a pooping log. What does that mean? You feed it and then it poops out a gift. You know, that sounds really familiar for some reason. <laughs> I've heard of that before. <laughs> Oh, uh, in Greenland, they uh, the traditional holiday meal for Christmas is two dishes known as kiviak and matak. Uh, kiviak is a dead seal sin, dead seal skin stuffed with ox, which is a small type of seabird, hmm. and matak is whale blubber. Wow, that sounds pungent. Yeah, in Ukraine, they decorate their uh, Christmas trees with spider webs. They have a legend about like a the classic folk tale about a spider who spins beautiful. Christmas decorations for a poor family. So they, it's just like ornaments that look like spider oh, webs. Oh, they're not collecting spider yeah. webs from the corners of their house so they can like no, drape no. them on the tree. Or not even like Halloween style ones. I see. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. In Finland, they do a lot on, uh, they do a lot of stuff with saunas on Christmas. The Finns are always doing stuff with saunas. It seems not They all have saunas. Christmas. That's why. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have so many saunas there. I know. Ugh. Saunas are the best. Yeah. And then one final one of the 27 that I put in this list Oof. in Venezuela each year, groups of Venezuelans skate on rollerblades to morning mass, sometimes as early as five in the morning. Huh. I wonder how that came about, because it's not like they had rollerblades like back in the day that they could right. use. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I don't, I'm not sure <laughs> why <laughs> I want to get there is, as fast but... as possible. So, yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Just a couple 
kooky Christmas traditions from around the world. Nice. Yeah. Weird stuff. But like, hey, I put a couple from America in there too. Eggnog's weird. It's yeah. a weird thing that we drink. Elf on a Shelf is terrifying. Oh, that is weird. I still don't entirely understand what that even is. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a video on TikTok the other day of these kids just like screaming, crying because one of them touched the elf. And I guess if you do that, it's magic goes away. And these kids were just like so distraught. And I was like, what a terrible. Wait, what is the point of Elf on the Shelf? It's just like an elf that's on a shelf and you look at it. It like spies on you in your house and reports back to Santa whether or not the kids have been good. Oh. So every night when the kids are asleep, the parents will move it to a different spot and then just lie and say that it moved on its own. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, yeah. that's kind of fun. It's a little bit fun, but it's also like, man, if a kid touches it, the magic goes away. That's traumatizing. Yeah. But you have to make sure the kid doesn't touch it. I mean, you have to be I, right, like, no yeah. one can touch it. And then they will believe that it moves by itself. Right. Right. Yeah. Because right. hmm. yeah. kids are easy to lie to. That's right. Yes. Very gullible. Yes. Wow. Neat. But yeah, that's all I have for our uh, Christmas legends this episode. Those are some good ones. I learned a lot. It's a fun one to talk about. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. I have to ask uh, my German friend about some of these. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, it is it, it is a lot of those instances of like, yeah, this was like a pagan tradition, but we don't want to. When the Christian church was like moving throughout Europe, they didn't want to tell people to stop doing things they'd been doing for hundreds of years. Right. So they were like, oh, let's just make it Christmas themed. Yeah. That makes sense. You can't beat them, join them. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of like Christmas trees and Yule logs. And we have posts up on the site about that, about. Oh, yeah. History. The of origins of the Christmas tree. Um, and it all stems from Yule, which was yeah, a pagan tradition. That's why Christmas is in December, mm-hmm. despite not actually being the birth of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. I think I was supposed to write something about the birth of Jesus and then it was moved no. out of my <laughs> hands to someone else. Yeah, but it would have been about that, about why why it's in December and everything. Yeah, I mean, the short answer is just that was when a lot of other celebrations were going on. So they were like, oh, well, now uh, all of those are also for our God. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so anyone listening, yeah, if you want to check out uh, our posts on any of that stuff, any of the Christmas legends, traditions, uh, history of Christmas, the Christmas tree, Yule, all that jazz, all of it can be found on allthatsinteresting.com. Alongside uh, that, you can sign up for our newsletter at allthatsinteresting.com slash sign up or become a member at allthatsinteresting.com slash membership. Very nice. Yes. And as always, if you want to share your Christmas traditions or legends you know of or like, you can email us at podcast at allthatsinteresting.com or you can even call us and leave a voicemail uh 929-526-3029. Yeah, let us know what you thought about this episode. Let us know if there's any yeah, Christmas traditions that we missed. Mhm. Yeah. Or Christmas legends. I know there are definitely at least three other ones that I didn't really talk about. Sure, so. tons. Tons and tons. Yeah. If you remember what it is that Greeks hanging hang up to ward off the evil goblins, let me know because I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's not a boar's head, but Could be. Who knows? Could be. It could uh, be Boar's Head, the brand. I was just thinking that, meat. yeah. <laughs> I'm just like nailed to the door. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really funny mention. <laughs> it's like for some reason in, in Greece, they like love Boar's Head, like KFC in Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Is our next episode our 100th episode? It is. It will be. Wow. That's going to be a special one. Yeah. Yeah. Me, you, and Kara. Uh, Carol will be back for that one. Yeah. To go over some of our favorite old episodes and revisit 
a few that have been updated since we talked about them. Yeah, some big developments in some of those episodes. And then our series on Jack the Ripper. Yes, jump right into it in the new year. For sure. All right, till next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.